0: This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast.
1: Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Made For This. Go to hellofresh.com slash madeforthis16 and use code madeforthis16 for free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Philippians 1, 3 through 6 and verse 9. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Why is it that the number one question
0: we get is, how do I make friends? It's, it's almost something that I hear or consider first graders asking, you know, like like my when my kids are that age, like they, they have to show up at school and they have to make new friends. This is something that I hear 60-year-olds saying. This is something that I hear 25-year-olds saying. This is something that I hear young moms saying. This is across the board an issue. I go back to college, you know, it was so easy in college to make great friends. We were just living all together. We had the same goals, the same interests. Everything was the same. And it felt easier. And we had so much margin. We had so much time to kind of just invest in people and do things with people. It was kind of a natural time to involve people in everything we did. But then we get out of college and it feels a lot harder. It feels more difficult to find those friends and to be intentional about it. And I think we think of life that it's supposed to be like college, that it just should come our way, that we just land in the right spot and all these people come around us and we easily go through life. And that's not how it works at all. Paul, I love how he opens this because he's going to be really clear. He's like, I want to tell you what you're great at. He's in prison. Like his life is not looking good. It would be easy for him to start this with grumbling and complaining and say like, let me tell you where I am. Let me tell you what I'm doing. Because I think this is the biggest problem we have when we talk about friendship. Let's just start. Episode one on this issue. Let's just start with the biggest problem we are facing when it comes to friendship. It's that we think friendship is about us. We think friendship is about us rather than other people. And Paul knew that difference. He knew that ultimately his life didn't exist for himself, that friendship and community wasn't for his good, that friendship and community was about other people. And it was about other people, and it was also about a mission. There were two components to how Paul viewed relationships, and you see it in these verses. First, he starts out with rejoicing. I thank God. And what is he thanking God for? He's thanking God for their partnership in the gospel. He's thanking God for them. He's thanking God for the fact that not only does he have people in his life that love him and that care about him, he's thanking God that he has people in his life that are on mission together, that have a purpose. I think friendship is based primarily on our affection and our purpose. C.S. Lewis, he talked about building friendship, and he said, The key to building friendship is to serve God with all your heart and notice who's serving God beside you and with you and who is running beside you. That's who your friends are going to become. And gosh, I've noticed that's true. And so first, we have to be, one, about the purposes of God and, two, about other people. And Paul was amazing at this. When you look down, he has hope, he has joy in the midst of dire circumstances, and so much of that hope and joy comes in believing and knowing that there are people out there that he is partnering with and that they are on mission together. It is such a fulfilling basis for friendship because what we tend to do is we go to friends with our problems looking for them to solve our problems. And we end up becoming a word that is a little bit clinical, but I wanna mention it because I think it's a big barrier to healthy friendship. We become codependent. When you go to a relationship and you are looking for that person to meet a need, to solve a problem, to fulfill you in some way, you are starting a friendship at its end. It will become destructive. It will end. That friendship will not make it because it is the wrong goal. It is the wrong focus. And so what I consistently hear and what I've seen in my own life is when I go to people to solve a problem that God is meant to solve, then what inevitably happens is they disappoint me. 100% of the time they disappoint me. And actually, it's it's interesting. I would say that when that happens, that is a mercy of God because he's showing you that no other thing but himself can fulfill you. And so I've learned to to see disappointments in relationships as reminders that God is enough for me. And that has been a shift for me. Can you imagine how stuck Paul feels? He's literally in a physical prison cell, looking forward at his death, not knowing how many more words he can even give to the churches that he's helped start and to his community and friends. And so this is his, I mean, he's stuck and he's pushing them forward. I think that is such a marker of healthy friendship, that, that you're literally looking at the people in your life and you're saying, I want you to go further than me. I don't even know if I will get to go much further, but I want you to outrun me. I want you to go further than me. And he's saying, oh, and it is my prayer that your love would abound more and more, that you would love each other better and better, and that your knowledge and discernment would grow. And then you read on in verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He knows that this is all going to an end, that this will end in all of them being together in ultimate community with God forever. That is God's vision. And so in this movement towards that, he's saying, hey, love as well as you can, love more and more and more. He actually praises them for how well they love throughout this book. And he's just saying, hey, abound in it even more. When we get this right, gosh, we can shift everything. I mean, when you think about do Christians love well today? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what little town you live in or or what your church looks like, but I bet you the answer is you would say no. And and so we have gotten the main thing wrong. This is the main thing and we've gotten it wrong. And I think one reason we've gotten it wrong is because we have looked for people to fulfill us rather than understanding that God has built community to be a picture of him. And that picture of him requires Self-denial, it requires loving people even when they disappoint us and even when they disagree with us and even when there is dissension and fighting that we work through it. it. It requires a love that is based on the cross, that is based on death to ourselves. And so rather than coming into relationships, hoping and expecting and needing to get something out of them the very first thing we've got to know is we go into community looking at how we can one love them better, that love could abound more, and that two, how can we point them to Christ? Because when we do that, it, it actually changes the whole paradigm. it's It's a whole different foundation for friendship than the world has.
1: Hey, it's Chloe. I missed you guys so much. It's summer, summer's in full swing. And you know that Jenny and I both love cooking with HelloFresh. We have fun cooking with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis16 and use code MadeForThis16 for free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. So I am excited because my HelloFresh comes on Monday. So after a busy week of having friends in town, a lot going on, I can't wait to do my three HelloFresh meals next week. You get to choose from 55 weekly options that have pre-proportioned high quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. So the food that you get from HelloFresh is fresh quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week. We do a ton of grilling, and so it's nice to bust out the grill on a nice warm evening here in Texas and make dinner from HelloFresh's cookout collection with recipes like melty Monterey Jack burgers. What's amazing too about HelloFresh is that You can update your delivery address and you can send your HelloFresh to your vacation destination with just a click. When you go on your beach vacations or road trips or traveling this summer and you just don't want to think about food, send your HelloFresh to where you're going. And there you go. Three amazing gourmet meals right at your doorstep. I'm so excited because on Monday, one of the meals that I chose was the roasted chickpea Caesar salad. And... Again, something that I wouldn't have thought of, like roasting chickpeas, but it is one of their Hall of Fame meals and it's one of the top favorites here in our house. So go to HelloFresh.com slash MadeForThis16 and use code MADEFORTHIS16 for free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. So I am here
0: with Kate Allen. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about our friendship because it's just the last few years that we would call each other good friends. So let's talk about how that happened. Yeah,
2: well, I'd say that happened freshman year, like second semester. I, at my old school, just went through some friend drama second semester of freshman year just because, you know, we went into freshman year and kind of became this little clique right out of insecurity of like needing that high school friend group and as anything that is built on that it fell apart you know second semester and so we all started fighting like cats and dogs and um somewhere in the middle of that just found myself with like no friends and everyone was mad at me and it was tense with everybody and i didn't really tell my mom or like really anybody for probably two weeks um just because i really wasn't walking with the lord at that time and like i there were, some of the stuff they were saying was valid, and so it was a little embarrassing. And I remember breaking down and calling you. Like, it was just so low, and I was just so lonely, and it was a really dark time. And I called you, and I, because you had always said, hey, like, if you ever need counseling for any reason, like, we're so for that. And I think I called you, and I wouldn't even tell you what it was about. I was just like, mom, I don't know what's wrong with me. I need counseling. Like, I could barely even get it out. And... Of course, you know, you were like, you made, you were like, well, you've got to tell me what it's about. Unless it's me, then you (laughs) will just send you. I was like, no, it's not about you. And I told you it was just about friends. And that night we got sushi and walked around Town Lake and just talked it all out. And I remember in that season, like, I really didn't have anything to do on the weekends because I wasn't getting invited in anything. So I just remember, like, for that following month, just hanging out with you and you were just so good to push me towards scripture. And so that season was just hanging out with my mom and reading my Bible. And it sounds really sad, but it was really like, that was the season that kind of shifted everything for me and kind of God was so gracious to just tear that identity out of friends. And obviously I still struggle with that, but I just think, and like we became such good friends in that. And so I'm really thankful for you. Who do you
0: say your best friend is?
2: my
0: mom <laughs> <laughs> just bragging that's humble bragging, uh-huh. right there because uh-huh. I mean it like it so let me tell you about that day for me mm-hmm. so I was missing my sister specifically on that day so much so mm-hmm. much so that I was just I was feeling really lonely and I was really sad this totally separate storyline and I remember that night when we went to sushi and went to on a walk around town like I thought that is exactly what I'm missing. I'm just missing the easy person that I'm safe with, that I love, that I just can tell anything to. And so you were experiencing me as a friend for the first time, but I was experiencing you as a friend for the first time too. And I remember thinking, I'll probably never live in the same town with either of my sisters again. But what I never saw coming, and it makes me teary, is that my best friend, and I believe Caroline will be the same way as as she gets older, my best friends were in my house and you know, and I think that you should never go to college and live here forever. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's coming soon. But I love that I'm okay with that because I love who you are. I love who we're sending into the world. And I know that our relationship will still be there. Like we'll still, I will force it to always be there. You know, I will. Yes. Um. So let's talk about another season for you because that was a really lonely, hard season. And it was, it was, it was dark and it was dark for a long time, candidly. I mean, it wasn't just a week or two weeks oh, yeah. of hard friendship. That was- Longer than that and and so fast forward, we sit you down in our living room in Austin and tell you that we are moving cities,, yeah. and this would be going into your sophomore year. so let's talk about what that felt like and what it's been like to jump into a very large public high school as a brand new girl and really not having many connections or friends.
2: well, I mean, I think about that day sitting on the couch because you know we grew up in Austin, so I just remember y'all telling me that and I think I just shook my head and like tears rolled down my face and like I was in just complete denial and it it wasn't even like at the time it wasn't really the fear of the unknown it was like the just instant loss of everything I'd ever known and like a future that I think I just mentally felt entitled to all of that just in a second it was just like gone and so Ran to my room, couldn't even make it to my bed, fell on the floor crying and just stayed in there for the rest of the day. But just like I remember in that season, I was coming off of a really sweet season because you think end of freshman year, God had just kind of shifted my priorities and helped me to just get a bigger perspective, which all of it was in preparation for this. And like I look back at it and like I remember after, you know, my friends started inviting me back to stuff and I'd sit there and I would be so lonely and much more lonely than when they hadn't invited me because I just realized how different our perspectives were then and I realized that like just the fleetingness of everything that we had been talking about that past year and I remember literally all I did was I just grabbed three people that I thought kind of got it like they just kind of got it we didn't talk about Jesus with any of them even though it was a Christian private school but I just grabbed them and we went to La Madeline's and I just kind of sat down I was like we talk about what we love and we all say we love Jesus but we literally never talk about Jesus outside of school and we just like started that conversation. And that's kind of, and it wasn't at the time I didn't view it as ministry. I didn't view it as discipleship. I just saw it as like desperation and needing friends that were on the same page as me. And so, but coming off of that season, I think was the most helpful thing going into a new school because I kind of learned what it looks like to culture build in a way that's not necessarily going along and conforming to the culture that you're already in, but it's finding your people and camping out. And like literally just that, like, talking about what you love and it needs to be Jesus. And like that, I still talk to those people all the time. We have our little La Madelines. I don't know why we went to La Madeline. It seems like a quiet place for conversations. But, um, and so, and those are some of the people I still stay in touch with.
0: So this is actually why I wanted you to come on the podcast is Mm -hmm. because I think one of the main things I hear from people about why they don't have community is they don't know how to take the first steps and build Mm -hmm. it. And you had to do it in different ways. So in that Mm -hmm. season, you had to do it around spiritual things. These are friends you've known for a long time, but you wanted those friendships to go deeper. But in the coming season, when you start at a huge, big school, you're going to have to do it from scratch. So let's talk about that that first day in Dallas and what that looked like when you knew nobody.
2: Um, Terrifying. It's one of those things where you literally can't do anything to prepare. You just go out and buy your new kid outfit for the first day of school, and that's about it. I remember, well, I started running cross country and that was kind of where I got to talk to people while we were running and (laughs) this sounds so sad, but it was literally the best thing. But I this was not my idea, but I have a question book and it just has all kinds of questions ranging from what, if you were a natural disaster, what natural disaster would you be to, (laughs) what does the gospel mean today for you? Like literally every single like funny hard, soul-wrenching, like all of the things. And so I think I would just pray before that the Holy Spirit would give me the right questions to ask for each person. And I remember walking away from certain runs and just feeling so full because I just got to get really get to know these people and in a really big school and honestly, just the world, like you can know a lot of people, but not know anyone. And I think that in that big public school, People do not feel known, and they're putting out this persona um, of what they want to look like to people. And the second that you start kind of chipping away and showing that you really want to know more about them, they kind of break, and they're like, they take a deep breath and they realize, like, that's exhausting. And but they've never known anything else. And so it's just, it just was really cool. As like first semester, it was a lot of just asking people random questions, maybe not even about Jesus. Uh, getting and I want to interrupt you there. Yeah,
0: just that shocked people.
2: Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, people would like, I, I, like it would go wrong sometimes. Like I remember this one girl I was on a run with was like, why are you asking me so many questions? And I was like, oh, I like, I just want to get to know. She's like, it's weird. I just want to run. And, like, she was <laughs> just like, I don't want to talk while I run. And no one, like plenty of people didn't take it. Right. But in that season, I literally had nothing to lose. And it was like, I didn't have anybody outside of that. So it was like, go ask all the risky questions. And I think I mean, I've even watched it myself, and I I don't like this, but just as I've kind of settled in and become more comfortable by having comfortable people, I kind of lose that nothing-to-lose mentality, and, like, you kind of go into things with a little more caution, like, oh, I kind of want to keep my friends and keep this reputation that I've put on, but, I mean, the truth is it's still—it's all for the kingdom, and I think even though in that season it was kind of for— I mean, I remember wrestling. I told—I I remember going to lunch with you, and I was wrestling. I was like, am I doing this for comfort? Like, am I doing this— So that people like me and I I have people that I know in rooms and it would be like really big, scary questions. And you were like, don't overthink this. Like (laughs) you're getting to know people so that you can go um, just be Jesus to them later. And even if it's not spiritual questions, like that's a type of love that they don't see because it's not benefiting you by knowing all the little details about their siblings and their dogs. Like, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was actually just having a conversation with a friend downstairs who's got young kids and she asked me like why – how did you build these secure teenagers? <laughs> like, how are they so secure? And I was like, okay, first of all, that is God. And second of all, the only thing was we weren't afraid to push them into uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. And they learned to be comfortable with discomfort. And I think, hey, what you're telling everybody right now is everybody knows that feeling of being the new kid, and it's worse in high school than as an adult, but it's really the same. Like we don't ever change it. I remember when you would describe what you were feeling; I was feeling the same thing because I had to make all new friends too, and I was terrified that it was not going to happen for me. You know, I, I mean, I was I was scared. And watching you be so intentional to not be afraid of being rejected, to lean into deep conversations that people were not used to having. You actually walked out of that season, that year, with three or four best friends that you will have for the rest of your life. I have no doubt. I know these girls well, and I mean, they are the most solid, incredible girls. So talk a little bit about what God blessed you with, with all that intention and scary part, <laughs> yeah. and and what they mean to you.
2: Yeah, I would say, well, one they're probably going to listen to this later and they're my favorite people in the world oh my goodness besides you mom thank you Uh, (laughs) but yeah i think having that support system kind of behind that and again that was just god spoiling me because i there's been seasons where i haven't had that um and i've had to like at my old school i wouldn't say i had that and you know there's there's goodness in that season of just getting to draw in close to God and that extra dependency of he's the only one that you just don't feel lonely with and just getting to talk to him when you're in big groups of people. But just in the move, he was just really kind to give me brinkley and like and I don't think I'd ever had somebody my age that was walking kind of in the same space like just in their walk with the Lord before. And I think having that, and we're so different. Oh my goodness, we're polar opposites. But having that person that I like feel completely safe with and don't have to think about how to be with and I just get to unload on her and she unloads on me and like it's just the most like just we work off of each other we're a great team I think having that base of like someone I can always come back to even when it's hectic and you're in a big group of people and you might feel not seen or you might feel just like you messed up Um, and then getting to go back to her and kind of laugh it off with her I think was the biggest blessing and even just getting we were in similar seasons because she had lost some friends uh, just moving to college. And I remember like me and you prayed going into it. The only thing we prayed for, we were like we didn't pray for a big group. We didn't pray for like all these big like a huge community that we felt like we, like it was just like we prayed for one friend and just that one friend to completely get me and just be at that similar place of just maturity and their walk with the Lord. Because what I found actually because you know moving from a school where I kind of had my group of people versus now where I have a couple people and then I have a lot of just friends kind of branched out of that that just having a couple of those core people and I might not even like I wouldn't even call that really like a friend group I don't know but it's just those people that are a similar place with you and they can fill you up like. I think it's so important because then you're not obsessed with this like friend group and all the drama and like being all of the inner workings of that. And you're more able to go and branch out and be a fill up person for other people that you don't necessarily have to be your best friend or to be in your friend group. And you don't have to fit in all the little boxes that people want to put you in with friend groups because you just have like a couple individual people. I think that's been really good for me at a big public school and getting to just branch out and get to know everybody I can.
0: What would you say to people that are... In a season where friendship is hard and they don't have their people? Yeah,
2: I'd say, I mean, like not even having that one person, that's also God's kindness. And I think that in that season, that is so hard. But just, I just remember in that season freshman year when I would be hanging out and literally, like, you just, you're listening to the conversation, you just don't relate to any of it. And it's just hard and lonely, lonely, lonely. And I just remember those are the times, like, I think when I walk into a room and I know everybody, I don't really talk to God in those spaces because it's kind of like, oh, I don't need him. Like, I'm comfortable. I've got my people. But I think being in a group of people where you don't really know where everybody stands, you don't feel like you're on the same page with everybody, it just creates that dependence of just in your head, you are just praying for the words and you, like— You just have to keep praying like for continuous like I'm filled in the truth of the gospel and I don't have to measure up to these people because I think that's the biggest thing that we leave with our that pit in our stomach is like we feel like we didn't measure up and we didn't like we weren't the person that we needed these people needed us to be. And so I think it's the security in that because I think I discovered like a new aspect of the gospel in that just in like that needing to have my friends like all of that ripped up. So that I didn't put my identity in that and like wasn't leaning on that and leaning on my standing with other people.
0: When you get tired and you don't want to take risks anymore with friendships and it feels like I'm never going to have close friends. I'm ne- This is never going to work. What do you do? What What does that time look like where you don't give up? I think recently,
2: just as far as the character of God goes, I've been leaning into when it says like he's... Our hiding place and our shelter and I think even as an extrovert who likes to go out and be with people and feels that lack whenever I can't go out with a like a group of people I think it's learning to be content and being alone in my room and just getting to fill up there and be energized from that because there's always going to be the other thing is there's always going to be younger people and there's always going to be people that you can reach out to that do need you and you can always go be that community for other people even if the people around you that might be your peers Cause that's the other thing. Peers can be ministry too. And like usually are, um, especially in high school. But like the truth is, even if you're a freshman, like you can always go get a group of seventh graders together and be pouring into them. And that can be like a source of your community because we are built to be with people. And you can also reach out to older people. I think mentors are huge. And I remember in that season, whether that was talking to you or just other mentors in my life, that was a big source of community. And that's kind of where you get filled up and then you're able to pour out because, you know, you need those people and it changes. For me, fill up and pour out friends, that change, like the percentage of time that I'm with people that kind of encourage me and I feel more full when I'm with them versus the people that, you know, might drain me more. But I think like when, you know, when the Bible says don't surround yourselves with fools, he's talking about in that group of your core fill up people that you go to for encouragement. You know, you need to be going out to people that don't know Jesus or might be those drained people. But I think for me, like the percentage of time, it's one, at my very healthiest, it's 50-50, you know, it's 50% hanging out with fill up people and 50% hanging out with pour out people. But I'd say most seasons it's 75-25 and then I need that encouragement because I'm weak and I like to go with the culture and conform and I need that group of people that are encouraging me to be better so that I can really go be that 100% for those pour out people. Because if I'm not really filled up, then I'm really not giving anything to those people that I'm pouring out to, you know, or if I'm just working out of my own power and my own energy level that I might have that day, as opposed to actually you know, being what God wants for that person. I think that's just been a huge thing for me to realize is like figure out, like even if it's literally make a list and obviously don't share it with anybody, but just like these are my fill up people and I feel encouraged when I'm with them and these are my pour out people and figuring out what it looks like in a time schedule, just like to be hanging out with those people that encourage you more, if not the same as those people that, you know, are draining.
1: So ready on your phone right now, open up your text messages and send the word podcast to the number 214-225-6267. You will be in our, what we call the texties. It's our text message best friends that we text and Jenny will send stuff, some videos and pictures like exclusive stuff just for you guys. Text the word podcast to 214-225-6267.